welcome back to another edition of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff Paulson. Joining me as usual is Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how are you doing on this World Series Eve? I've been uh, trying to come up with uh, a word to describe how excited I am about doing the show and about the World Series, and I couldn't come up with one, so I'm going to have to borrow one from Will Ferrell. Who, uh, who described something once as, as scrumtralescent. So that's that's mm. how good things are. They're scrumtralescent. That okay. Well, let's let's go with that word then. Well, I'm going to I'm going to give you an option, Mark, of uh, moving forward with whatever that word is that I've already forgotten that you just said. Yes. Today we can uh, do one of two things. We can one talk about baseball history. Uh, we've done that quite a few times. Yeah. Or we uh, could just sit here in silence until the World Series starts. Which do you think will be more entertaining? Well, you know, uh, my parents used to have those kids play the silent game where we could see who could be quiet the longest. I never made it to 30 seconds. So we should probably <laughs> talk about baseball instead of <laughs> instead of trying to not talk. Yeah, let's do that. Wait, this, this episode uh, is premiering on October 22nd. That is... Game one of the World Series. We now know uh, we were recording this on a Sunday afternoon. We now know it's going to be the Astros and the Nationals. And I have a pretty good guess who you're going to be rooting for, Mark. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's only been since 1980 that I've been an Astros fan. So um, I, I'm going to go ahead and stick with them and, and pull for them to win this World Series. Yeah, I think I think you're going to be in the minority. I think, I think most so people too. are probably going to be rooting for the Nationals here as a uh, as what a they're huge underdog already they are you know but their their trip to the world series has been just so priceless it's been amazing <laughs> it has been priceless <laughs> all right well let's start with our bp segment uh, before we get into the main segment we've got an interview today that i thought was really interesting we've talked about mark being a bat boy uh, during his youth way back when for the uh, tacoma tigers and Tacoma Rainiers, so we thought we would we'd we kind of modernize it and talk to somebody that's an actual current bat boy in the minor leagues. So we've got that coming up. But first, let's go through our BP segment and uh, something that I, I found a little story about Father Aloysius Travers that piqued my interest. And you might say, well, what does that have to do with baseball? Yeah, that sounds interesting. Whatever it is. Yeah. So it, it kind of led me into a a bigger story, a story that I had known about, but I did not know about Father Aloysius Travers. So back on May 15th of 1912, this is the story, this is part of the story that I had known about. Uh, 1912, Ty Cobb jumps into the stands at the end of the sixth inning. He had been taunted with some racial epithets throughout the game by a guy named Claude Luker. Now, Luker had lost one hand and only had three fingers on his other hand due to an industrial accident. And like I said, he was using some just absurdly foul language towards Ty Cobb, who who had been known to use that kind of language on his own. Uh, Ty Cobb also had kind of a short temper. So Ty Cobb actually jumped into the stands during the game and began beating Luker. Fans were pleading with him to stop beating this man with no full hands. And Ty Cobb shouted back, I don't care if he has no feet. (laughs) 
and continue to beat What a him. guy. Well, <laughs> well, it just so happens that American League President Ban Johnson happened to be attending that game. He suspended Cobb indefinitely, immediately. Cobb's teammates actually voted to strike in support of their teammate, refusing to play until he was reinstated. Johnson threatened Tigers owner Frank Navin $5,000 for every game in which they failed to field a team. So Navin ordered manager Huey Jennings to find replacement players. This kind of reminds me of like the 95 spring training when they had replacement players. Exactly. As the Tigers were on the road, it was kind of hard to find any local guys that they knew. So uh, Jennings went about recruiting eight Tigers, I'm doing air quotes, from a neighborhood in North Philadelphia. Each man was paid $25, and uh, Father Aloysius Travers took on the role as pitcher upon learning that that position paid $50. Wow. As opposed to 20 Now, it should be mentioned he was not a man of the cloth at this point. He just went by Alan Travers at this point. So you, you truncate Aloysius to Alan? Well, I think he, when he became ordained, I think he changed his name a little bit to be a little bit more pious. I don't know any Aloysiuses. Mm, I only know of one, and that's Father Aloysius Travers. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Aloysius Travers uh, gave up 24 runs in eight innings in this game. That's, that, let me, I don't know a whole lot about baseball, but I think that's not good, right? It's not good at all. He retired with a career minus .5 war, which under the circumstances isn't that bad. It could have been worse. Uh, So this was obviously the game after Ty Cobb got suspended. His teammates, of course, were refusing to play as well. So these were all these these locals that were were just recruited for this game. They did manage to scratch out two two runs, though. They lost, though, 24 to 2. Well, Um, bummer for them. Yeah, so I looked up this box score, and it is it is quite something. the uh, The Philadelphia A's had a couple of Hall of Famers on the team, which didn't help. Eddie Collins, home run Baker. Oh wow! Uh, and Stuffy McGinnis. Do you remember that name? We've talked Good about old Stuffy. Stuffy. Yeah, Eddie Collins had five stolen bases. Oh, uh, no home runs hit in this game, believe it or not. Well, you know, Aloysius but, was was good at keeping the ball down. I think he was. Now, it's weird because the box score here says he gave up 24 runs, and in the earned runs column, it just says minus one, which I don't know what that means. That's tough to do. They have a negative earned run? That is. (laughs) And his ERA stands at zero, so I really don't understand. Maybe they just knew this was a farce. Yeah. But they gave him a game score. So this is a Bill James kind of stat. An average, you start with 50 points, so that's really the baseline for a game score. Okay. Like a no-hitter, guys have got, I think the all-time high of a game score is like 107 or something. Um, his game score was minus 24. Which is bad. That is bad, yeah. But uh, he did retire uh, after that game, believe it or not. Now, uh, Travers, however, does not hold the major league record for most hits or runs and allowed in a game. Oh, he does. That goes to the Cleveland Blues Dave Rowe, who was primarily an outfielder. He gave up 35 runs on 29 hits in a game played on July 24th, 1882. Wow. Only 12 of those runs were earned though, so his fielding must have let him down. He had not the best defense. 
No, he definitely, definitely did not. Um, all right, so let's move into our our debut segment. Now, as we've mentioned a couple of episodes ago, it's getting pickings are getting a little slim here because we're in the the playoffs and and generally are in October. So I couldn't come up with any debuts that were worth speaking of. So I wanted to hit two things that happened on this date, October 22nd, in baseball history. So first, I want to get your comment on this one, Mark. Uh, October 22nd, 2008, Jack Zaredzik, the first non-GM to be selected as the Baseball America Executive of the Year, is named General Manager of the Seattle Mariners, the eighth in franchise history. Yes. How did Jack Z's reign work out for Mariner fans? Well, Jack Z, I have to give an incomplete grade. Um, he he didn't he didn't he really didn't get to oversee everything he wanted to happen. But I can look and see some of the guys that he brought in that are no longer with the team that that uh, I, I couldn't say were standout players for the Mariners. Um, we had. Uh, with the Zarednik team, we really didn't do a whole lot to cause a lot of uh, problems for other teams. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> there was no no great advancement in the Mariners franchise. There was not. Jack. No. And I, I like Jack Z. I like his thinking. I liked that he approached things from such an analytical standpoint. But uh, things just didn't work out. No, they did not. All right. Uh, also this day, back in the year 2000, in Game 2, the Yankees extended their World Series winning streak to 14 consecutive games. That's crazy. What jerks. What jerks. Well, they defeated the Mets on this day in that game number two. This final score was 6-5, to five, but this is the game that I'm sure everybody remembers. It's when Roger Clemens was throwing to Mike Piazza, and they had had a couple of, you know, uh, kind of dust-ups. I, I believe Clemens hit. Piazza in the head one time. Yeah. The fastball. They had some bad blood. Yeah. So this is the one, remember, where Piazza makes contact against Clemens and the bat shatters and the barrel goes out towards Clemens. And Clemens picks it up and as Piazza's running to first, throws it at him. Chucks it at him. It it, it, like lame duck flies through the air. And it was just like, what are you doing? Like, do you think he, he broke the bat? at you on purpose That's right and then to throw a sharp object like that at somebody believe it or not the bench is cleared yeah uh, i don't no no punches or anything thrown but in the playoffs in the world series that's just i maybe it's roid rage it's roger clemens yeah that was i remember that just being weird it ranks up there with a rod and his little girly swat at the first baseman's glove there are some guys that you just don't know what they're thinking when they when they are on the diamond, uh, A-Rod and Roger Clemens would be two of those guys. Yeah, this is, this is a fact. All right, so that's going to wrap up our BP segment. Uh, we are going to let the grounds crew get at it. And while we do that, we've made mention on many occasions that Mark uh, was a bat boy for the Tacoma Tigers and later the, the Tacoma Rainiers. He's passed along some great stories from his time in uniform, like being sent into the visitor's clubhouse to check for illegal substances, looking for the keys to the batter's box, being gifted a TV uh, when when someone was called up. So we thought it'd be interesting to talk to another person who's been a bat boy for a minor league team, but is not 103 years old like Mark. Right. 
So <laughs> we want to welcome Ronnie Jordan to the show. Ronnie has been a bat boy for the Nashville Sounds for the last year. He's a freshman at Mississippi State University. And Ronnie, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's uh, awesome to be here and be able to share a little bit of insight I might have. Yeah, yeah. So we we love talking to people about the kind of the behind the scenes stuff about uh, mm-hmm. that that goes on in baseball. But before we get there, I've I've got to imagine for somebody that became a a bat boy for a AAA team, you have to you have to like baseball at some level. Can you can you give us a quick history of your well a history of you in in baseball? Sure. So um, I played baseball as a kid t-ball all the way through kid pitch till my freshman year of high school for a little bit there I kind of got away from it it just didn't really appeal to me anymore and then went but I'd always been a follower for the Nashville Sounds and when I got the opportunity to work for them you go to every home game I kind of fell back in love with it started getting back into it and then when I got promoted to bat boy it just went to a whole new level, and I found my, I just found myself star-crossed love with the sport again, and now I'm back, you know, following all what all's going on, hoping the Rangers make some moves this off season. And we've made mention of Nashville actually a couple mm-hmm. of times on this show. First, because until this last season, they were the A's AAA farm club for a couple of years, and then right. the A's moved to Las Vegas. The Rangers came back. You said you followed the the sounds uh, throughout growing up. What does that make you a Rangers fan? Well, actually, this was our first season with the Rangers. We were with the Brewers for a very long time before the Oakland A's, and so the Brewers were always my team growing up because mm. we went to Sounds games. That's the logo you see. That was like the first MLB team I knew. I was like, that's my team. Loosely called myself a Brewers fan, even when I kind of fell out of following the sport. And then started working for the Sounds. The beginning of the season, oh, yeah, I'm a Brewers fan. But you just kind of, like, fall in love with the guys, the organization. It was like, all right, I'm an A's fan. And yeah. then, oh, look, they're, they left town. All right, Rangers. Okay, I'm a Rangers fan now. And yeah. then when you honestly start to get to know all the guys on yeah. that team, it's hard not to call them your favorite. So, yeah, I would definitely say I'm a Rangers fan now formerly a Brewers fan and had a short stint as an A's fan. See, and that's really the key there when, you know, people might say, Oh, how can you jump from team to team? No, it's not like that folks. When you start, Mm -hmm. uh, you start to be friends with these guys and you know them, you know, their families and you want them to succeed and you want the team they're on to succeed. I was a huge A's fan when I was working for, uh, you know, Tacoma when they were the affiliate of Oakland and, then when they switch to the Mariners, of course, well, I'm already in the Seattle area. Plus, uh, you know, it gave me a chance to follow players that are going to be right, uh, you know, not in just the stadium I was working in minor leagues, but just a 30 minute drive north. And I could see, you know, when they got called up and stuff like that. So uh, it, I mean, it's, uh, it is a big deal uh, to who who you're working for. When you cash your first paycheck from a major league team, that's your favorite team. Oh, yeah. No, whoever's signing the paycheck, I will root for you. That's exactly right. Um, Except for the Yankees. Yankees. Yeah. uh, Except for the Yankees. Well, you you fit in very nicely right here, man. (laughs) So you mentioned you mentioned UK. So you're a Brewers fan growing up. What are who are some of the players that you saw come through Nashville that then went up? See, this is great. We were 
Oh, like my prime childhood sounds fanship was like prime Brewers farm system. So we got to see Prince Fielder come through, Ryan Braun, Ricky Weeks, Corey Hart, all those fun guys. Wow. Tim Dillard, who's actually back with the Nashville Sounds, he was a part of that organization. One of those seasons, I think it was 2005 or 2006, like we won the PCL championship. And like, honestly, I would love to see any other team try to beat like a Prince Fielder, Ryan Braun. Like that team was so beyond any other team's capabilities. Like that was such a deep farm system at the time. I'm really surprised the Brewers didn't churn out a World Series out of it. Like, so you like, you saw everybody, man, all those big names. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. And I think I don't quite remember him being a part of the organization, but apparently R.A. Dickey stopped through town. So hmm. that around that same era. So pretty cool. Okay. So now we kind of know your history with the game. So mm -hmm. I imagine uh, they're not just handing out bat boy jobs to anybody walking down the street. How, how did you become a bat boy? So this is a pretty crazy story, but um, the prior year and for the beginning of this season, I was guest services, a fan host, pretty much event security. I came to work that day, kind of upset with my boss. And I think their feeling was mutual. Anyway, I get called down to guest services. I'm like, oh, oh, Lord, I'm about to get fired. I don't know what I've done, but I'm fired. And I get down there and they're like, hey, can you bat boy tonight? I'm like, what? And they're like, can you bat boy? I was like, I mean, sure. Yeah. So they uh, get the VP, Doug, and he calls me down. And essentially what the situation that had occurred was one guy quit and another guy's car broke down. So they literally had like no one. They pull me down there. They rush me in, give me a uniform and I get out there. I have no idea what I'm doing. So I've got the guys from Round Rock kind of walking me through it. I've got the clubbies who kind of gave me like a 10 minute briefing on what to do. The umpires are kind of walking me through it. The sounds are kind of walking me through it. And I'm having to do both sides. Like I don't have another guy. It's just me. Oh boy. Wow. I that's, was really just a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. I was thrown into the pit of fire. And I loved every second of it. It was literally like a dream come true. Like that first game seemed to go by in like five minutes, probably, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, like I blinked and it was over. I was like, I'm not getting paid much today. Sorry, man. There, there's something about being part of the show that that it just is thrilling. Mm -hmm. It really is. And then I just emailed uh, Doug the next day. I was like, I really love doing that. And if y'all are still looking for bat boys, I'll do it. And he's like, yeah, we'll do it. Nice. We'll start getting you down there as soon as possible. And just like that, I was a Nashville Sounds bat boy. That, I mean, that's got to be hard having just guys kind of telling you on the fly and they don't really know. Cause I'm, I assume are there players that like, Oh, don't touch, you know, don't touch my helmet or my bat like this. I like this, this way. Don't do this. Make sure you do it this way. Are there certain players that are very particular? I wouldn't say they're very particular, particularly in within like the in-game stuff. They they don't have a specific place or anything for their equipment. Put a bat in a bat hole, try to keep it somewhat organized. They were really helpful in just kind of being lenient on me in that particular day. And then throughout the season, they never really had any like particular need that I found odd. I mean, I'm sure there were probably some superstitions somewhere, but I mean, they were really pretty easy on me. Were you covered in pine tar after that first game? 
I'm covered in pine tar after every game. Let me tell you. That stuff's everywhere. The first night I did it, you know, they, nobody had told me that you need to grab the bat by the barrel. <laughs> so I go out there and I'm grabbing these things by like the handle. I go to grab the baseballs. I give them to the umpire and he sends them back. He's like, dude, these are covered in pine tar. Y'all ain't slick. I was like, oh, wait, no, that's me. <laughs> I am sure nobody told you to grab it by the barrel. They did that on purpose because that is <laughs> that is yeah. rule one of hazing a new bat boy right there. Oh, no, they're they had some other <laughs> they loved pulling my leg, particularly because I was very gullible. I mean, I believe <laughs> anything anybody told me and they weaponized it. All right. Well, give give us some examples here. Mark Mark walked us through some that he that he pulled more than got pulled on him. So so what have you got? Wild goose chases were a great theme. Like one one of the night towards the end of the season, they wanted me to look for curveballs that help the pitchers practice, which I know <laughs> now are not a real thing. And anyway, I'm pressing and I'm like flipping this clubhouse over looking for these things. And so I text my co-bat boy, and I'm like, hey, do you have the curveballs? And let me tell you, <laughs> these guys are really good at beating me to the punch. Somebody had already texted him, whatever Reagan asks you, just say yes. <laughs> so he says yes. So now I'm freaking out. I was like, all right, he's like an hour away, and we need to get these before first pitch. I was very close to like grabbing my keys, hopping in my car, and flooring it. <laughs> You got to practice with those curveballs. I mean, what, See, what else are they going to use? In, in Tacoma, yep. we had them pounding out curves. So we it, they had a bat boy in the back with a bat hitting baseballs, trying to flatten one side of it. He called it pounding out curves. And they swore <laughs> to him, this is how they threw curveballs. And he was trying. He, he looks at me and he goes, I need a heavier bat. And I'm like, you need more than that, dude. <laughs> I presented Woody with one of them. I was like, is this a curveball? He's like, I don't know. Go ask Palumbo. He's pitching. I go up to Joe Palumbo. I was like, is this a curveball? He holds it, flips it around. I was like, looks curved to me. I'm like, <laughs> all right, this is a curveball. Silly stuff like that. Another one would be where they ask you like where something is and you've either never heard of it or have no clue where it is or they try to convince you that like you've forgotten something. There was this one night where I was super late and they told us like, go to bed early you know, we have a day game tomorrow. I show up like halfway through the game, head clubby there, who's a, usually a pretty tough guy, didn't say a word to me when I went down there. He tells one of the other clubbies to go and get me and go up into his office. And so I'm like, oh man, this is it. I'm getting fired. It's over. I go in there. He shuts the door and he just says, we're f***ing <laughs> with you, Ronnie. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you could see like the pigment in my skin just melt to the floor. I was like, what? Honestly, all he said was, you know, happens to everyone. Don't do it again. So the, the, they're playing jokes on you there. What uh, what kind of other jokes have you seen gone, you know, going on in the clubhouse? Uh, so there's always that one guy on each team that just is the prankster, always pulling pulling stuff oh, yeah. on on teammates, on on uh, anybody in the clubhouse, what what are some some of those that you've seen? Jet Bandy was definitely a funny guy. Tim Dillard, who has a pretty strong social media following, would do a lot of things or some choreographed things for his followers. One of the things that certainly differentiates minor league baseball from 
from Major League Baseball is the wacky promotions that they do to a get people in the stands, but then also in between innings they do a lot of a lot of kind of crazy stuff. What uh, what are some of your favorites that uh, that you've seen them pull to get people in the stands in Nashville? I mean, I always love Tailwagon Tuesday, which was new this year, where they essentially just you can bring your dog. You know, that one was always great. They do the Country Legends race where they just have like these weird character caricature costumes for like Johnny Cash, Reba, Dolly Parton, and George Jones, and they just race whoever wins, like whoever the supporter of the respective guy would get like a gift card or something. Are you worried? Are you worried? I know I've seen throughout uh, several minor league teams, including the A's, you know, club in Las Vegas this year, they've got bat dogs. Are you worried about possibly, you know, losing your job to a dog? I could actually very much see that happening. <laughs> um, I hope not. The tough part would be for the dog to rub up the baseballs. That's uh, that's going to be difficult for them without opposable thumbs. <laughs> I could envision that scenario pretty easily. Yeah, because you guys won't work for, you know, like a treat. <laughs> you have to actually get money. I mean, honestly, like, hopefully they don't hear this part, but I would, I probably would still work for them even if they didn't pay me. Yeah, they're not yeah I just have so much fun there. <laughs> Mark and I have both said that about, about various jobs in baseball. <laughs> if, they, if they try to replace me with a dog, I'll, I'll be like, I literally, I will work for nothing. Please. Do not let me go. Just uh, kidnap the dog and then just like, you know, like they would do on TV and then hijinks would happen and you'd have more stories for us. So, you know, no, that is true. Out. I'm still amazed. You know, I know dogs, hunting dogs have gentle mouths. They don't, you know, bite whatever they're carrying, but I'm just waiting for a bat to get bite marks and somebody get upset about that. <laughs> yeah. Who delivers the balls to the umpire? Is that not going to have slobber all over it? No. Yeah. They... <laughs> I haven't seen, actually, I did see one of them take water, you know, take a water bottle out to the umpire. Oh, that is wholesome. Yeah. Dogs are the best. (laughs) They're a good, they're a great uh, thing to get people in the stands and uh, they're, they're great entertainment, but yeah, obviously not going to replace, not going to replace all the things you do. Do you, now Mark mentioned he would rub up baseballs. Do you guys still have to rub up baseballs or do the umpires do that? That's us. That is me and my bat boys. The uh, umpires are supposed to actually, but they don't. Um, <laughs> well, I don't know if that's something you got to edit out. I don't. I think it's pretty common knowledge. It's a bat boy thing, though. Yeah, no, I, no, it's fine. Nobody's going to worry about it. it. It is. It is pretty common knowledge. That mud, the mud that we had to use for the baseballs, that literally stained on my hand like the whole season. Like, uh-huh. I'll, I'll go to like party or something like why are your hands brown baseball mud like it did not come out no until i moved to starkville mississippi yep that's special mississippi mud (laughs) Mm -hmm. a lot of blisters too like once you got down the method and could do them like real fast it would rub on the same places over and over again so i'd have like these huge calluses before every game great stuff yep so is wait now so Mark you said minor league mud is from Mississippi so the the major league mud comes from New Jersey is it's different I I have always been told it's different in all honesty if I had to like pick where the mud came from I would say from the umpire's <laughs> backyard uh, I think that's where they get it Oh the 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 like the mud that we use like we kept at the park like 
we, oh, yeah, we drew yeah. from the same tub. Yeah, so it, it's it's this famous place in New Jersey that has been supplying the mud for Major League Baseball for decades. But I'm going to assume that it's probably a different location, different source for minor league stuff. I do know they switched the manufacturing. Like they make the minor league balls on the same production line as the major league ones now. Yep. So yep, like that was once, new this year. Yeah, once or twice this season, we actually had a major league ball end up in one of our dozens. So that was always interesting. And then you had a misprint every now and then. It was always cool to find those. So did you notice, I mean, the PCL is a, I mean, there's a ton of home runs hitting the PCL every year, but this being the first year that they used the major league ball and all the controversy about how the ball was juiced in the majors this year, did you see a lot more home runs this year? So first Tennessee park is not a super home run friendly park period. That being said, I think our numbers were a little bit up compared to our last season with the A's. But I really think that's just because we had more sluggers. You know, Matt Davidson, he could always knock one out of the park at any given point. Like, honestly, from top to bottom, you had guys that could hit it out of the park pretty regularly. So that probably contributed to it. I really don't know what's going on with those baseballs, whether they're juiced or not. I know Verlander's pretty steadfast in believing they are, but, like, Hold it in my hand. I don't really feel any difference. Yeah, those major league pitchers are like Verlander. If you give him a ball that has just a that weighs just barely less than than a normal one, he can he can tell because he makes his living holding that. So mm-hmm. I believe him, especially Mark and I having watched so many games in person these last couple of years. It's def- there's definitely something. My question is, why would you need to anyway? There's no shortage of home runs in the modern game, period. Everything's either a homer or a strikeout, basically. I mean, pretty much. Yeah, it, there's 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 different trains of thought here. I think we've talked about it. You know, back in the 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 late 90s, early 2000s, they let the players juice themselves until there was an outcry about that. And then they had the brilliant idea a couple of years ago. Well, let, let's not let, let the players juice. Let's just juice the ball, and then the players don't get in trouble. And there's where we are now, supposedly. So, I mean, my I'm with you. Yeah, I, I like I like pitchers duels myself. Me too. I mean, I'm not a huge pitcher duel guy. Like it, it, it can be intriguing. A hit fest is probably easier to watch on television. Home runs are supposed to be special, and home runs are special until they aren't. If that makes sense, like. No, you've got you've got utility infielders hitting twenty home runs. You know this past season. You mentioned that uh, you play at First Tennessee Park. Is that mm-hmm. what it's called? First, Ten- or First Tennessee, First Tennessee Park. Park. They're changing the name to First Horizon Park next season. Companies oh, changing names. Those sponsorship names. Well, we have, uh, as I've mentioned, I've been to both uh, the old park that they used to play at, as well as mm-hmm. this new one. And we've actually mentioned, and you and I were talking a little bit earlier before we before we started about uh, the location of this park, where it used to be called Sulphur Dell Ballpark. Mm-hmm. And this was, we mentioned it actually in an earlier show, where they changed the orientation of home plate. And because of that, at one point, uh, Sulphur Dell had a 25-foot hill in right field. Whew. And and the fence was only like 240 feet away from home. Babe Ruth had said something about bunting for a home run when he played there <laughs> in an exhibition game. But uh, it's a really great ballpark. It I, mm-hmm. I've got to imagine 
it's a lot easier being a ball boy there than it would have been over at the old park. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I was never a bat boy at the old park, but I've heard stories. And honestly, sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, the game I went to there, I went to a doubleheader, actually, and it was just, I could, it was, when they turned the lights on, you could still barely see. Like, it was just, mm-hmm. it was an old school, old school ballpark. I've heard stories of like when it rained, the guys would go swimming in the home clubhouse. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that sounds like Oakland, but it's not it's not rainwater. For the away team, uh, they didn't have like those big washers and dryers. They had like a home washer and a home dryer. And you you got to scrub out. I know Mark loved scrubbing out all the pine tar and the, the dip after every the Troy game Neal. in the jerseys. Troy Neal got, he covered his shoulder with pine tar every game. I'll never forget that. Fortunately, the laundry machine takes care of that. Yeah. I moved on to clubhouse work. Um, I bat boyed for a short time, and then I was doing clubhouse work. And I let me tell you something, man. There was a point where I could get any stain out anytime, anywhere, anyhow. Mm. Yeah. Stains had posters (laughs) of me on their walls going, oh, stay away from this guy. That's how I kind of got with cleats by the end of the season. Yeah, exactly. We dust off the cleats and wash them, and you actually will get to the point where you know what model shoe is going to hold more mud. Yep. Like, I can tell you this. Adidas, they are real easy to clean. Nikes are impossible. <laughs> like, you actually figure out the patterns of how much dirt is going to hold yep. and, like, how to clean it. <laughs> it's it's great. I know way too much about shoes. Yeah. <laughs> like, now I do. I know too much about how to clean them. But I mean, I've utilized it in my private life. Like, scrub. Apparently, scrub. <laughs> yeah, scrub bubs apparently are the best way to polish shoes. So now I use scrub bubs. There you go. So we talked about uh, some players that you saw come up while you were uh, while you were a fan. Uh, I also took a look at your coaching staff from this year, and sure. uh, uh, some interesting names here. Some pretty cool names. Names that we have certainly covered and talked about on past shows here. First of all, Howard Johnson was your hitting coach. Oh yeah. So Hojo, just a quick I and I, I don't know if you how much you know about these guys and you know their playing careers. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hojo was a member of that '86 Mets team. You know that that beat the uh, the Red Sox when Buckner uh, had the ball go through his legs. Oh wow. Hojo, yeah. So I mean, Howard Johnson was on one of the most famous teams uh, in the World Series. Uh, but Hojo was a great player. I mean, he he won uh, MVP one year. He was the first switch hitter to hit uh, to lead the league in, I think it was home runs and RBIs in the same year. He's the second member ever of the 30-30 club. Wow. If you if you see him again, though, because I, I don't think you were sure if, if he was coming back or not, you might want to mention to him that I dug this up. He was the 1985 co-winner of the Pro Athlete Rib Eating Contest that he what? shared with Dickie Thon, but he elected <laughs> oh, not to defend his title in 1986. So wow. he might have some rib eating tips. Dickie Thon was a rib eating <laughs> sucker, let me tell you, man. <laughs> Considering that there were almost never ribs left when the Bat Boys went up to eat on rib days, I-, I can believe that. It was Hojo. He just stuck his head in and started eating, man. <laughs> Hojo, that guy is really a legend. Every every time, every time the pitcher would try to pick someone off while we were batting, he would yell, "You had your chance." 
like every <laughs> single time. He's definitely probably the best hitting coach I've ever seen, as well as the best chirper on that roster. <laughs> so also uh, on your coaching staff this last year was Gino Petrali. Oh, so- Gino. I remember Gino as, you know, he he played other positions, but I remember him mainly as a catcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark here is a huge Nolan Ryan fan, and Gino Petrali actually caught Nolan Ryan's 300th career win. That he did. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. pretty big. That's, that's huge to me. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. so you've got, you've got somebody that, that probably knows Nolan Ryan. That's, that's awesome. That, that is crazy. Gino was... He was probably the guy I got closest to on the coaching staff. He was just an amazing mentor in learning how to do the job, work with the players. As far as the dynamic of players' needs and having everybody taken care of, he taught me so much and was all like always went out of his way to ask, you know, how I was doing, how my day was going and he always would try to start a conversation, and I always respected him for that. He really tried to make everyone feel a part of the organization. Does uh, does Gino still have a strong mustache? <laughs> oh, he he was clean shaven the whole season. Oh, I've never man. seen Gino with a stash. You're familiar with Tom Selleck? Yes. So he was the original Magnum PI in the 1980s. He's had a a, a just a iconic thick mustache Gino <laughs> Petrali had that most of his career I, I can picture all of his baseball cards and he had a great mustache so honestly he seems like a mustache I could see it I'm envisioning <laughs> it right now and I'm like that that fits really really well somebody else on your on your coaching staff this one a little bit more contemporary uh, Greg Gagne was your bullpen coach Gagne mm. won the Cy Young in 2003 as a closer he uh, had 55 saves that year, and he still holds the major league record. He converted 84 straight saves at one point without blowing That's one. That's nuts. And the dude was big. I'm assuming he's still a big. Oh, my gosh. That man is ripped. Is he? Like, first yeah. and foremost, like, probably the, just from a muscular standpoint, strongest guy on the team. And, I mean, Put all those rookies in their place. <laughs> for sure. I'm, I'll tell you, I'm not starting to fight with Gagne anytime soon. Like, no, if there if there's a brawl, he's the guy I stand behind. And what do you what do you do during that? Okay, that's an interesting question. What is, w- the bench is clear? What do you, are you do? You go in the dugout. What are you doing? In the words of one of my clubby bosses, you sit there and you watch the show. You <laughs> don't inch forward. I, when it happened, I didn't intentionally do this, but apparently I was drifting towards the action. And I look over to the tunnel that goes to the clubhouse. There is his name's Luke. And he's just like waving me like, get back in your seat, bro. This ain't you. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was the i actually i still have i actually have the baseball in my dorm that started that binge oh clear. nice and i have it marked like the ball that started the brawl that was so intense and wizzy patrick wisdom who actually used to play for the redbirds last season he was the one that was like getting in their face about it and that was legendary i mean seeing wizzy just like immediately stand up for his 
teammates against his former teammates and like rip into those guys. Like that was incredible. Yeah, that's amazing. And then probably some of the best quotes I've heard in baseball, 10 of the 20 best I've ever heard all from that pinch clearing. <laughs> Are there any you can share with us here? I used to have one that I kept in my phone because it was so funny, but I got a new phone and I don't have it anymore. But I, I think it's probably safe to say most of them were not safe for work. Oh, yeah, no, none of them were NSFW. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, I, to be honest with you, I don't think any type of conversation in the clubhouse is going to be NSFW. Like, if you talk to someone without cursing, they, it's going to sound like a foreign language to them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're well aware. I can of attest that. to that. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, if you don't curse, people are going to look at you weird. Yeah. It, if you don't curse at your boss, people are going to, like, he's going to take it offensively. <laughs> it, it, it just is part of the, the nomenclature. It, it's, it, people mm-hmm. will say to me, you know, didn't you hear all that swearing in that song or in that movie? And I'll be like, I guess. I don't know. I'm so used to it. I just heard it mm-hmm. so much. And it's really tough when, like, you got one of the ki- one of the players or one of the clubby's kids yeah. in the house, because then it's like you just got to figure out how not to all of a sudden. And everyone's just so used to you know no filter ever, right? And then you got a kid around, and it's just it's not something you can just turn on and off. <laughs> like, honestly, no, but- I came out of that job, and I cursed probably a lot more than I should in public because of it. Yep, <laughs> I remember uh, in Atlanta. One of my last years, Ozzy Guillen was on the Braves. And uh, I mean, that dude just swears up and down, but he talks so fast, too, that he can swear like four or five times in, you know, the span that a single person might only swear once. (laughs) And like he couldn't even just say like good afternoon or good morning to you without dropping in a couple of F-bombs. But the dude was hilarious. Swearing was his medium. So you mentioned you've got a, a, a ball there that started a brawl. I, I was going to mm-hmm. ask, Mark and I both have some pretty cool souvenirs we've collected over the years of being close and, and working in baseball. What Beyond that, do you have any other cool cool mementos? I do. And this is a story that, that I'm going to carry with me the rest of my life. Carlos Tochi, who unfortunately did not make it through the season with the organization, didn't speak a ton of English was super friendly to me and I kind of like befriended him and just, you know, hey, how you doing? Couldn't really do much more conversation than that because of the language barrier, but always was like super friendly, fist bumps all the time. I'd always gotten crap at work because I had, I only had one pair of tennis shoes at home that I used for everything. And they were just like these University of Tennessee shoes. And so like you have these crimson orange shoes in the baseball uniform. And so I'm going out on the field with like checkerboards on my heels and <laughs> and the sounds are black and black and red, right? That's uh their... blue, red and white now. Blue, red. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it looked very out of place. So, <laughs> very obvious. Uh, like I just remember one day he asked me like, "What's your shoe size?" I was like, "Like nine and a half, but I can fit in anything between like a 9 and a 12." He's like, oh, "Cool." And so like a week later, he like calls me over to his locker and I'm like, what's up? He hands me a pair of like these ranger blue and white shoes. I was like, you need them scrubbed or something? He's like, no, they're for you. I just wow. was so, cause like that was such a big deal to me. That was the second pair of shoes I had in my repertoire. And then Hunter Cole was like, now you don't have to wear that crappy orange anymore. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> man, 
that's don't cry cool. in the clubhouse, but that's probably the closest <laughs> I got to it. Yeah. It like I thanked him a thousand times. That was such a like just a moment of like, wow. Mark, that sounds a lot more practical of a gift to give a bat boy than a than a TV. <laughs> well, you know, and as far as memorabilia goes, uh, you know, it, it the TV is a storage issue, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um honestly, just like team issue stuff, like workout shirts and uh dry fits, stuff like that. That is probably 90% of my wardrobe. There is sure. rarely a day that goes by where I'm not like wearing a sound something. I've got so much stuff from them and I love all of it. Yeah. No, I I'll take That's it. Great, <laughs> oh yeah, no, it, The only reason and it like my frat brothers know who the Nashville sounds are is because they've seen me wear it. Like it's a designer brand. There you go. Well, they're cool. Cause I, I mean, the sounds have always had some of the coolest logos and coolest jerseys. So I, you, if you're going to have to wear that kind of stuff, I think the sounds are a good, a good team. I'm re- like their, their logo set that they, the new one that we, we did a rebrand this season, the one that they have this year, it is clean it is great i really really love the look do they still break out the music notes jerseys every now and then um yeah the one from the 80s yeah that's what we do for throwback thursdays we want to thank you again for being here we really enjoyed talking to you Uh, as i mentioned you are a uh, you're a freshman at mississippi state right now and uh do you want to uh give everybody uh you know a twitter or an instagram or something i know you're you're drumming up some support for the uh mississippi state hockey team hockey club yeah for sure um mississippi state ice dogs we're really trying to revive the program and bring hockey back down south then national sounds doug they've all been really good at giving me pointers on how to run an organization and so yeah if you want to follow me on twitter reagan underscore jordan one if you want to follow the hockey team, it's at Miss State Hockey. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's Reagan D. Jordan. Awesome. Now, are you gonna are you gonna be back next year as a Bat Boy in Nashville? Oh yeah. I'll be here until they tell me to go. <laughs> I'm gonna ride this pony as long as I can. There you go. Nice. And hopefully we'll see you uh, uh you know around the majors in some capacity also. Uh, in the near future, you're studying uh, sports administration. So fingers crossed, you'll run into Mark and I at some point. Yeah, keep the faith, man. Yeah, they even call up scoreboard operators from the minors, so you just never know. All right, well, thank you, uh, thank you for joining us, uh, Ronnie. Uh, sure, appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was an Thanks, honor. Man. All right, so now it is time, Mark, for uh, one of the most popular parts of the show. It is time for Wax Packs Heroes. I have got, as usual, in hand my Beckett baseball card monthly from may 1992 there you go and uh, i've got i actually got a whole bunch of new cards uh this week but uh, i've still got to finish up the the last lot that i bought and i'm going to do that with a couple of packs of dawn rust from 1990 they are identical packs so uh, we're not uh, identical years so we're not giving an advantage to anybody i've got one of my left hand one of my right hand i'm gonna shuffle them up here i am going to once again let you choose which one you want left or right okay question for you 90 donors is that like the red border uh i believe so I, we'll we'll know here in a second never liked those anyway sorry uh right hand right-handed uh pack right all right so that's the one you choose 
Uh, I am going to, first of all, open my Beckett here, and you are correct, it is the red cards with the kind of black paint speckles. Yeah. Uh, if it is the first time you are joining us, uh, we open old packs here, and uh, we are going to price them based on the 1992 Beckett's here that we've got. Commons are worth nothing. We are only looking for cards that are worth something. Mark, I was also thinking about instituting a new rule this uh uh, starting today one if you if your player has a mustache it's automatically worth one cent mm. and two if they are a hall of famer now they are worth an additional five cents oh okay i like both those rules i'm, I'm gonna vote yes on both all right so we're we're, we're changing it up here uh, i'm having a hard time opening this because the uh, glue on the back is sticking to this last card which uh I can see who it is, so you're not not in danger of losing much value. But uh, all right, we've got a, a puzzle card here for Carl Yastrzemski. Yes, I never put all that right, whole puzzle you're... together, you know. <laughs> well, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it here with all of these all that right, we're getting. All right, great. All right, so you're starting off strong. You're starting off with an MVP card from the San Francisco Giants, uh, also a Mariner at one point. Kevin Mitchell. Oh, yes, Kevin Mitchell. The uh, great power hitter that really didn't play a lot of great defense. Oh, except for that one time with his bare hands where he, in Cincinnati. Where he misjudged where the ball was going and stuck his throwing hand up and caught it. Yes. Yeah. That was a great play. And I, also, not a wonderful person. Had some trouble uh, off the field, but... Uh... We'll, we'll just leave it at that. So this is a rookie card, or not a rookie card, but it's a special uh, MVP card that is worth two cents. Yes. He does have a mustache, oh, so uh, you do get three cents for that. Uh, I hope you're writing this down because I, I can't keep track of mathematics. In my <laughs> Next, we've got pitcher for the uh, Pirates, a lefty, John Smiley. Nice. Yeah, John Smiley. He is not smiling on his card, though. Yeah. That's, lefty that's starter, Pittsburgh Pirates, is that right? Correct. Yes. Yeah, I think he was pretty much he was, a common. He was a good I'm, pitcher, I think. He threw for a while. I'm just looking at it. Yep, that's a common and no mustache. No mustache. So no points. Uh, here we've got uh, somebody that we've talked about and another MVP card. Wow. Uh, Japanese legend Mike Greenwell of the Boston Red Sox. Oh, I used to collect Greenwell. So did my brother. We used to fight over Greenwell cards. Now I, I, I you know, he can have all mine now. Yeah, I like. I, we've talked about. It. I liked Mike Greenwell. He does have a mustache, and it is worth two cents. So that's three cents total. Sweet. Uh, we've talked about his time in Japan, and he left early because I guess the Lord told him to. Okay. Uh, but that's strange. Uh, here's somebody I talked about last night when we were watching game. My wife and I were watching game six of the uh, ALCS. Tony Pena. Oh sure, Tony Jalapena, one of uh, one of my favorite catchers of all time. Yeah, and we were discussing him because my wife, who uh, never fails to impress me with her 80s and 90s baseball knowledge, which is uh, shocking to me, yeah. um, is that, uh, who was it? It was uh, Martin Maldonado for the Astros last night was down looking like Tony Pena. Was he? Several times. In that weird spot? He had the leg, yeah, he had the leg splayed out and he was on his butt. Nice. And I said, ah, oh, that looks like Tony Pena. And she looked up and she goes, oh, yeah, I remember him. That's right. He used to sit like that. <laughs> nice. And remember, Tony Pena managed the Yankees for a little uh, while. Yes, he so. did. He certainly did. 
Uh, so that is not worth anything, but he is wearing a mustache. Not really wearing it. He's grown a mustache. Well, yeah, it's just a term. There's, there's a, a scent for you. Now this, oh my goodness, this is a great, great card. Paul Gibson, left-hander. Yes. Detroit Tigers. No mustache, but he has got glasses, like prescription glasses, that cover about half of his face. And he has got a hat that has got to be a six inches tall. I don't know if this is a spring training hat or what. Nice. But the, the, the D on his hat looks very small compared to the size of his uh, uh, the size of his hat. I'm going to guess that's a common. Uh, 657. Wow, there are a lot of cards here that have a lot of errors. <laughs> but that is not one of them. Okay. Uh, next, we've got Tim Burtzis. Oh, Tim Burtzis. Yeah, lefty for the Reds. I'm not familiar with Tim Burtzis. Burtzis, um, he was in the A's organization for a while, I believe. Oh, yeah, look at that. He came up with the A's in 85. In 1986, he uh, appeared in two games with a 22.5 ERA. Oh, that's that's not for uh, Yeah. Spending the next year in the minors and then appearing with the Reds in uh, 1988. There you go. But that that is a comment, and he is not sporting a mustache. Oh, bummer. Uh, speaking of Oakland Athletics uh, with mustaches, here's an all-star card. My favorite pitcher of all time. Dave Stewart? Dave Stewart. Yeah, I guessed it. Nice. Yeah, Dave of the menacing stare. Love him. Now this is this is crazy because this is an all star card, not worth anything. It is a common card, but uh, he does have a mustache because he's stew. So you get one cent on there that we one. Go. Uh, here we go, uh, catcher for the Blue Jays that absolutely hated Ricky Henderson because he could not throw him out, and a left handed hitting catcher. Oh, one of my favorite things, Ernie Witt. Oh, sure, Toronto Blue Jays. Correct, and he's this is a good looking card because he has got some real stirrups on there. Sweet, and that's and plus being a left handed catcher, he's got the uh, the batting helmet with no ear flap as well. Oh sure, so that's a good look. I'm gonna guess that's a common though. I'm sure. Yep, but uh, if you remember, Mr. Ernie Witt always was wearing a mustache. Oh so. yeah, <laughs> oh, you have gotten five sense bonus i think if, for, if your uh, point was to to say everybody had a mustache during these times you sir have succeeded that's what that's exactly uh this guy next coming up uh has a mustache as well but it's blonde so it's hard to see but i am well aware that mr Corey snyder always had a mustache oh you bet Corey snyder cleveland indians a lot of power a lot of strikeouts uh good defensive player with a good arm yeah, I remember Corey Snyder, and I remember I grew up in Salt Lake City. He went to, to BYU to Brigham Young University. Oh, there you go. He is the uh, uh, first player in NCAA history to hit 20 home runs in three consecutive seasons. Oh, yeah. But uh, that is a common card, but you do get one cent for his blonde mustache. Awesome. Uh, next, we've got Andy Hawkins, starting pitcher for the New York Yankees. I remember Andy. Sure. Not... Uh, not much to speak of with Mr. Hawkins here on this card. Uh, no mustache, and he is a common. So that is a, a rare no score at all for you. Rare. Uh, here we've got a rated rookie, New York Mets pitcher, mustachioed pitcher, Julio Machado. Julio Machado. 
Yeah. Uh, God, Baltimore? Uh, Mets. Okay, I was wrong. At least he was a rookie with the Mets. Okay. And he uh, is worth two cents. Uh, so that's three cents there. I don't believe Julio really did much. Yeah, not that I remember. Uh, now, this is... I'm interested to see. We've got a very... No, I guess that's not a mustache. I'm going to say no on the mustache to a young Orioles prospect, starting pitcher, Ben McDonald. Big Ben McDonald, the the, the gator wrestling, swamp jumping legend <laughs> from Louisiana. Yep, we, we, we mentioned Ben and his uh, propensity for liking to wrestle alligators a couple of... Uh, couple of episodes ago i loved big ben so ben mcdonald this is a rookie card worth 20 cents yeah that's a nice card that's i beautiful. like ben all right so that's a big score you're racking up some slowly but big surely dollars we're here. just putting the numbers up uh you know we're plotting along no no sprinting <laughs> just plotting all right so uh here no crooked numbers just single yes. single runs except for that that was a big one right uh jim gantner Infielder for the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh-huh. Mustache? He uh, was a baseball player. Nope, no mustache. Uh, he was, I remember he was around for quite a while, and he's just a common, so nothing there. Boy, you got a lot of catchers. Uh-huh. Uh, I love, boy, I love these cards, though, because everybody's wearing actual stirrups. Uh, Kurt Manwaring. Kurt, what is that man wearing? I don't know, but uh, I was unaware that he went to Coastal Carolina College. Hey, Coastal Carolina, good baseball school. All right, well, that is a common, and he is not sporting a mustache. Another catcher, this one for the uh, Minnesota Twins, Tim Laudner. Tim Laudner. Uh, I'm trying to remember when Brian Harper came uh, on with the, with the Twins because he had quite the impact on that team post, uh, post this period. Brian Harper. Now, that reminds me that we need to have a former guest on that had some Brian Harper stories that <laughs> yes. we, need to, uh, we need to hear about. This is true. Tim Laudner, though, does not have a mustache, and uh, I'm fairly confident that's a common... I guarantee you Brian yes. Harper did. <laughs> yes, Brian Harper and Gino Petrali. Always with the mustache. Uh, and then, last but not least, pitcher for your Houston Astros, Jim Two silhouettes on Deshaies. Oh, man, one of my favorite players of all time. He ended up in a rehab stint, and he came through Tacoma, and I was kind of geeking out over him, you know, because we didn't get National League teams up here. I had never gotten to see him pitch. He's one of my favorites. Love the Astros. And uh, he ended up being, like, the coolest guy. He gave me, like, a shirt, and uh, he signed, like, ten things for me. He was great. I love Jim Deshaies. Well, that's good. He is uh, not sporting a mustache, though. No, he, and I don't know if he uh, it grow. is a common. Yes, uh, common to everyone but me. All right, so there's your uh, there's your your haul. Thirty three cents, 34. not bad. Almost thirty four. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm just looking at I think your best cards. I think the Ben McDonald would probably well, it's obviously your best card. For me, it then goes Stu, then Mike Greenwell, and then Kevin Mitchell, and then the rest are. I'll give Tony Pena a nod because I like Tony Pena. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a great pack, but uh, the mustaches definitely saved me. No no Hall of Famers, though. No, not a one. All right, so uh, here comes my pack now. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, 33 cents. And uh, my pack, likewise, is glued to the back of the final card. So I will manhandle it as I'm sure it's not going to pay off my mortgage. All right. 
So I am starting off. Oh my god, I've got a story about this guy that I cannot tell on this podcast. Oh, nice. MVP card, first baseman at this point for the St. Louis Cardinals, Pedro Guerrero. Oh, the great Pedro Guerrero. Talk about a ton of power that guy could hit. Yeah, now I was a big fan of Pedro's when he was on the Dodgers. Yeah, me too. Love him. He, he had a couple of uh, weird incidents, but he, overall, yeah, he could hit. There's. There is a, an off-field one that I, I have some knowledge on that I'm not going to pass along because this is family-friendly. But uh, this card is considered a common, but he is sporting that Pedro Guerrero mustache. Of course. So I will give myself one Jeff is on there. the board. Oh, here we go. Our first Hall of Famer. He is sporting a red mustache. Oh, that's a lot of points. Manning the hot corner for the Philadelphia Phillies. Mike Schmidt. Michael Jackson Schmidt. You, there's a there's a, a Hall of Famer for sure. Yeah, now let's see. At this point in his career, he had, wow. Dude, just look at that. Just all Phillies from 72 all the way to 89. Yeah, they don't make Phillies, them like that Phillies, Phillies. Not a whole lot of them. This card was worth eight cents. He is wearing a, he is sporting a mustache, so that's nine cents, and then an additional five cents for being a Hall of Famer. Wow. So that's a 14 cent card oh, right there. Oh, man. That one hurt. But that's a great looking card. He's got the Phillies home whites on with the uh, with the stripes and the P with the with the baseball in the middle. Yeah, and he's wearing stirrups. Nice. That's a good. Oh wow! Here we go. Uh, for once, you picked the wrong pack. I did. Next, we've got MVP pitcher for the Atlanta Braves and mustache. Oh, he's not wearing a mustache in this. He's trying to grow one, but he is a Hall of Famer, so I'll take it. Just I, I won't worry about the mustache. John Smoltz. That's where I thought you were going. John Smoltz, who we've heard a lot of lately on uh, Fox broadcasts of the uh, postseason. This is interesting. This is a uh, an MVP card. I mentioned this set has a ton of errors. This John Smoltz MVP card, uh, apparently there is an error where apparently they put Tom Glavin on the card instead of John Smoltz. Oh, whoops. That is only worth 10 cents. Mm. This corrected version is worth 50 cents. No way. Plus, he's a Hall of Famer, so oh. that's 55. Oh, man. And you could say that he is growing a mustache, but I'm just going to stop at 55. That's 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 a big winner right there. That's like hitting a grand is, slam in the third inning. That is. I just, that's a walk-off yeah. in the first inning. Yeah. Now, this is funny because my next card is a normal Pedro Guerrero card. <laughs> Pedro is back with the mustache. Uh, yes, with the mustache. Uh, it is a common, but he does get one cent because, yes, he is still. It, it's that Fu Manchu, not the Fu Manchu, but, you know, kind of the beard mustache combo. But right. we're going to count that. Right. But that's a big first baseman's glove he's got. Uh, next, we've got right-handing starter pitcher for the Red Sox, Mustachio Dennis Lamp. I sort of remember Dennis Lamp. I remember Dennis Lamp. He was, he was pretty well. Looking at his ERAs here in the late '80s, he was, I would say, pretty good. Three point four eight, two point three two. He did pitch for the A's in '87, which I do not remember oh. at all. Uh, next, we've got the Zinger, first baseman for the Cincinnati Reds, Todd what? Benzinger. Benzinger, very good ball player. That, that, yeah, he was. Uh, he was fairly certain he was on the uh the 90 team still when they won the world series uh but that is a common card and he is not wearing a mustache oh boy you really picked the wrong uh, wrong pack yeah not wearing a mustache uh he is a hall of famer we mentioned him on the last podcast for the pine tar incident and the hemorrhoids 
Mr. George. Oh, another Hall of Famer. Wow. So uh, George Brett is worth uh, five cents, plus he is a Hall of Famer. So that's a 10-cent card right there. I'm getting destroyed here. Uh, Infielder for the Blue Jays, Manny Lee, sporting a mustache. Another point for Manny Lee. Yep, that's that's about all Manny's got going on. Uh, Next, we've got Blonde Mustachia. I'm not even going to count that. He's trying to grow a, a mustache. Pitcher Rich Yet. I for the Indians. I remember Rich uh, yet cards, but I don't remember ever watching him. Yeah, I, I think I remember him from just collecting baseball cards. <laughs> exactly. Rich Rich has yet to grow a decent mustache eh. that's going to get him anything. We'll play on words. Uh, but that is, I'm fairly certain. Yes, that is a common. Oh, now here we go. Here's a catcher with a strong mustache, and I like this guy. Catcher for the Yankees, Don Slot. Oh, Don Slot. Yeah, man, that guy played for a long time, and and if I remember right, he's a pretty good hitter. Uh, yeah, boy, in 80, uh, 88, he hit two eighty three for the Yankees sure. in 97 games. Yeah. A good, yeah, he's a solid, solid backup catcher. Yeah. Uh, so he gets one cent for the mustache, but he's a common. Uh, here we go. This one, I'm sure, if, if Ben McDonald was worth 50 cents, uh, rookie, rated rookie card for the Atlanta Braves, Steve Avery. Oh, wow. Yeah, Steve Avery. That was his rookie year, huh? And that is a 50-cent card, just like Ben McDonald. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I am blowing you out. Yeah, I got no shot here. uh, uh, Next, we've got mustachioed pitcher for the Expos, Mark Gardner. Maybe we should just start giving uh, a cent if they don't have a mustache. Yeah, it might be be easier that way. (laughs) All right, next week, that's new rule. Mustache free. Uh, Yes, uh, this is a Mark Gardner rookie card. I am not sure that he is going to... Garner much. Oh, Mark Garner garnered three cents plus one cent for a mustache. There you go. Uh, All right, here we go. We've talked about this guy quite a few times. Uh, This is as a catcher, BJ Serhoff. Oh, yeah. For the uh, Brewers. Yep. Yeah, I was was a big fan of BJ. Uh, That is a common. He is not mustachioed. Pitcher for the Astros. I have never heard of this guy. Brian Meyer. Boy, I'm not sure who that is either, to be honest with you. He is a common. Now, this guy, wearing a mustache for the Twins, and also the owner of a hit song that we have played on this show before, the Berenguer boogie, Juan Berenguer. Juan Berenguer. Classic. Yeah, that's uh, one of my favorite songs of all time, too. Yeah, it is my ringtone. Do you get bonus points uh, for songs? If the player has a song? uh, Well, I don't think I need any more. He's got a mustache, so he's got one. Uh, and then we've got my final one, pitcher for the Astros, sporting a mustache, <laughs> Jim Clancy. Oh, yes, Jim Clancy. Played for the Strohs for a little bit. My goodness, how many mustaches yeah. is this? It was a mustachio so, time. This is going to be, I'm going to have to get out a calculator because I went to a Pac-10 school, Pac-12 school. All right, so my grand total is $1.40, which that is a high for me. That is a big return, man. Yeah, that's uh, that's my first win in quite a while, and uh, that is my the highest I think I have maybe ever scored in a single pack. So with that win, we are now tied at six apiece. Oh wow! Back back, and uh, we're gonna need a rubber match. There you have it. There is uh, that was a good couple of packs there. Yeah, not bad at all for especially for the ninety uh, Donruss. That, that was not my favorite year. All right, so uh, that does it for uh, Wax Packs Heroes. 
wanted to remind everybody that if you do want to follow us uh, outside of listening to the show, you can follow us on social media. We can be found at both uh, at Two Strike Noise, that is at TWO Strike Noise on both Instagram and Twitter. We're kind of a big deal, Mark. I don't want to brag too much, but we're kind of a big deal on Twitter. Yeah. This last week, we got a retweet from the Marlins man. Right. We got a retweet from Frank Viola's wife. Woo! And to follow that up, Frank Viola himself retweeted us the next day. Whoa, so that is some sweet music to my ears. That is pretty big. I'm I was pretty pretty psyched when uh, when Frank Viola's wife retweeted it. But then the next day, when I got the notice that Frank Viola himself had, had retweeted, I was pretty very nice excited about that. <laughs> Uh, so be sure to join us uh, on both of those forms of uh, of social media. We uh, like to post things throughout the week. Uh, we'd also like to thank Ronnie Jordan, who joined us today. He was the bat boy for the Nashville Sounds, and it sounds like uh, he is not going to be giving that position up. No, I wouldn't have <laughs> unless. Yeah, I, I don't blame him. That's, uh, that has got to be a dream job for a, a guy in college, especially going into sports administration. So yeah. thank you, Ronnie. Uh, we wish you the best luck. Uh, I'll also throw his links uh, for his social media as well as for uh, the hockey club at Mississippi State that he's in charge of. Sounds like uh, they're in good hands uh, there. He'll, I'm sure, drum up some support with, uh, with that. Uh, Mark, uh, we do have some big news. I am actually headed to D.C. this week to uh, work games three, four, and five. I'm hoping for five games of the World Series. So we are going to we're going to do a quick show. We hope to get it out on time. We haven't missed a week since we started this show. If ever there was a time we might be a little late, uh, we hope our listeners will bear with us. It might be this week, but it's for a good, good excuse, good reason. It is World Series week, so we might have to cut us a little slack. All right, Mark. Uh, well, that was fun. You want to do it again whenever we do it? Yeah, let's, um, let's see if we can find a time uh, in between all the crazy cool stuff going on in our lives, and uh, we'll do another show. Thanks again for joining us for a, another edition of Two Strike Noise. We certainly appreciate it. Have a good week. Enjoy the World Series. And we'll see you on another episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.